Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, joined by Jake McGee and Dave Somerville. How are we today, gentlemen? Hello, good evening. Yep, not bad at all, my friend. We've got plenty to go over. Free agency, once again, last week's episode became obsolete almost as soon as we did it. Uh, particularly, of course, we were talking about the AFC West and there was the, the big trade of Tyreek Hill going to the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins have been very busy over the past few days, but there's been some other moves as well. So take it away, guys. Jake, what have you got to talk about with regarding some of the free agency moves in the past week? Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, like you say, the big news in terms of Tyreek Hill and going to the Dolphins. So it's for an abundance of, of picks, 22 um, there's a first, second, and a fourth, and then in 23, it's a fourth and a sixth. And then the Dolphins didn't waste any time in terms of uh, giving them a brand new contract, so a four-year, 120 million extension, which includes over 72 million guaranteed. And then that was pretty much directly followed or, or just after Teron Armstead signing a five-year, 70 mil contract as well, which is a lot of money because they're in two is left-handed. So obviously his blind side is actually the right tackle. I think that we kind of covered it briefly in terms of with Teron Armstead. If he can stay healthy, I think that's, you know, good value. It's a case of if you can keep him upright, if he can play, you know, 17 games a season, which I don't think he's, well, obviously not for last year and a couple of years before. He's missed games here and there. So it's definitely been busy. That was kind of the biggest one. I don't know if Dave has anything. I mean, it's it's been a lot quieter the last uh, kind of week since such a, a crazy free agency. Very intrigued about the ones that we haven't heard about, in particular Julio Jones, who, from what I can see, is more quite happy just to sit back and wait for offers to come his way and to see what developments are going to happen. I think we're quite in the dark about players like Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr. as well. Where's he going? Bobby Wagner, where's he going? These are star names that I'd say any of the teams in the entire league should be jumping at these guys. But they just haven't seemed to have settled anywhere. I don't. Are they waiting to get paid? Are they waiting for the right opportunity? I'm more concentrated recently on the ones that haven't happened. Um, we don't know where J- Jimmy Garoppolo's going. Uh, Panthers are in need of a quarterback. There's been rumours about New York Giants that they've been inquiring, but um, it seems to have quietened down. But no doubt, an hour after we stop recording, there's going to be a few big transactions guaranteed. <laughs> I think with OBJ, it's more of a... Obviously, he's coming off the injury. I think a lot mm-hmm. of teams will wait until closer to training camp to kind of get a feel around with him. But I think you're right in terms of Julio Jones is kind of sat there going, I don't... You know, he doesn't need to go out to his, uh, you know on a parade and go oh, you know please sign me he's, you know he's Julio Jones even off a down mm-hmm. year yeah do you think he he will go for a kind of one year two year deal with guaranteed money I think he would because I think the reason that teams are not signing Julio Jones and Odell Beckham Jr is because of the huge contracts that have been given out to wide receivers thanks very much Christian mm-hmm. Kirk you know Christian Kirk doubled OBJ's value because there's no way that someone like Julio Jones or OBJ is going to sign a contract that isn't at least equal to what Christian Kirk's getting. Maybe, maybe not the length, but the $37 million guaranteed? Do you think that you would rather have OBJ over Christian Kirk? Every day of the week and twice See, on Sunday. And, and, and that's the thing. Who, who in their right mind would offer OBJ, say, $25 million guaranteed when Christian Kirk just got thirty seven? That makes no sense. You were like, no, absolutely not. 
and Obi Doobie daft to accept it. So now I hate to say they're priced out of the market because of course they're not. I mean, you what was the what was the money on the Tidy Kill contract? What was that? I uh, got four four year extension, hundred twenty million, uh, and seventy two point two guaranteed. Right. Okay. And we just saw OBJ uh, win a Super Bowl, albeit he was, he had that awful injury in the Super Bowl. He was on pace though to to maybe even get MVP. Oh, you know, Super Bowl MVP. He was. Yeah. I mean, he, he looked fantastic, and through the whole postseason, he looked great. And those people who were worried about him. Uh, maybe not producing at the big occasion. Absolute garbage. This guy's a big-time player. He can make your team better. But who in their right mind is going to sign him? They're just not going to. Unless you really, really need a wide receiver. I think what's going to happen, to your point, Dave, about why are teams not signing all these free agents, I think they're going to wait and see what they can get in the draft. And then after the draft has been done, they'll look at okay, we couldn't address this need. For example, wide receiver. Let's go get someone. OBJ, ah, he's gone now. Is Julio still there? And they they may be able to negotiate slightly lower contracts because the players, uh, again, as an example, Julio Jones, let's say he's still sitting there. You know, training camp's coming up. He's still sitting there without a team. He might take a slightly lower offer. But at this point, no one's going to take less than 37 million guaranteed because of uh because of christian kirk i, I don't see it uh, i could be wrong i think like you're saying with the draft the draft is quite deep at wide receiver like like you say the money on the market at the moment is is sky high but also the, the, the prospects of a deep draft is kind of keeping teams away which is kind of the opposite with the quarterbacks in terms of you know jimmy g baker mayfield I would even throw in Jordan Love there because is he just going to sit behind Aaron Rodgers for for another four years? I think those those quarterbacks, because of such a kind of poor draft, um, those quarterbacks could move before the wide receivers, really. On the flip side of that, with the lack of obvious talent at quarterbacks coming out in the draft, that's why people have been signing, you know, why else would the Washington Commanders sign Carson Wentz? What has Carson Wentz shown anybody in the past 12 months with Indianapolis that makes you think he would improve your franchise? I'd take Heineke over Wentz any day of the week. I I fail to see why the, the Washington commanders would even take Wentz on. But they're probably looking at the draft saying, there's nobody in this draft that we want. I think the commanders are also probably seeing... Uh, Matt Ryan go for just one third and think, hold on, we paid two thirds for, for Carson Wentz. So yeah. they've kind of uh, been shown up a little bit there by the Colts. But I think there, there was other quarterback news in terms of Andy Dalton signing with my Saints. Uh, so a one mil, three year. The Red Rifle. One mil, yeah, the Red Rifle returning, I think, just more for depth. But one year, three million guaranteed, up to six million with incentives. I will be upset if he sees the field that much because. It should be James. Um, but with the news coming out that Taysom Hill, you know, the next Steve Young, uh, that project has finally, <laughs> finally hit the bin. The only person that believed in it was Sean Payton. Um, but it looks like he's moving back to his Swiss Army knife and, and more out tight end and, and things like that. So Andy Dalton to, to back up Jameis Winston is not a bad idea, I don't think. I think I think you need that. And I think yeah. it's I think it's good for Jameis. 
because Andy Dalton is a veteran. Whether or not you like Andy Dalton as a player, he's been around the league for a while. You can rely on him to just, if he's called up, you can rely on him to be ready to be called. Now, he might not be the guy to go and go out, come off the bench and win you a game. He's not Trevor Simeon, you know? Or Joe Flacco. It's, he's not Joe Flacco. Thank <laughs> goodness Thankfully, he's not Joe Flacco. <laughs> Thankfully, he's not Joe Flacco. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Andy Dalton is better for Jameis because with Jameis being there and having Taysom Hill behind him, he's always going to have that thing at the back of his mind. People like this guy. They want to see him in the game. So if I don't perform at the top, they're going to be shouting for this guy to come on and play. And that's not good for Jameis. It's not good for him having a veteran who, you know, just came off the last year with the Bears. Didn't really do an awful lot in Chicago because he had a hopeless, hopeless offensive line. Um, He did have Allen Robinson to throw the ball to, so, you know, he was pretty good with that, but... That was one out of five. He didn't have a lot of weapons, didn't have a lot of help. There was no running game to speak of. I don't blame Andy Dalton for anything that happened in Chicago. That's all on the offensive line as far as I'm concerned. And just the play calling was abominable. I mean, look at some of the quarterbacks that won those games last year, you know. Like you mentioned, Trevor Simeon, who's now signed with the Bears. They kind of swapped over him and Andy Dalton passed maybe in the airport. Uh, Um, But we won games with Trevor Simeon. We won games with Taysom Hill. We had Ian Book, the rookie, starting. I mean, getting James back, obviously, hopefully fit and ready by training camp coming off his injury. Uh, it cannot hurt to have someone like Andy Dalton on the bench. I mean, he was at Dallas before the Bears, backing up Dak. You know, I, I don't hate it. I saw a lot of Saints fans and a lot of people, you know, it's easy to kind of use Andy Dalton as a punchline or a punch bag and kind of laughed at it. It is what it is. It's a backup quarterback. You know, it doesn't have to be sexy. It doesn't have no. to be... You know, all, all guns blazing. I'm I'm happy to have you know a reliable backup. Like you say, he's he's been around. You don't you don't stay in the NFL if you're not useful. You know, look, we kind of use that with Tyrod Taylor. You know, exactly. the reason he stayed around for so long is because he's willing to be the backup and willing to, you know, share information in that quarterback room. And I've always been of the opinion I don't understand why more you used to get career backups. You used to get those guys who be drafted out of college in the fourth or fifth sixth round and they would sit and they would never get on the field but they'd be with the same team for 10 years you used to get that Gary Kubiak Gary Kubiak was drafted the same season as John Elway 1983 spent his entire career as John Elway's backup you think that was the intention behind Tom Brady it's safe to say that uh, if Bledsoe hadn't been injured Brady would never have seen the field Bledsoe was a really effective quarterback a really good quarterback. A lot of people don't remember how good Bledsoe was. Some of his stats don't reflect that. But he, he had an absolute cannon for an arm. My goodness, he could mm-hmm. throw that thing down the field. And if he hadn't got knocked out of that game, was it the Jets, was it? Jets? Yeah, I forget. Yeah, I think so. If he hadn't got knocked out of that game, and even if the Patriots had, had lost, got, you know, one and done in the playoffs, Bledsoe would have been the start of the following year. And the year after that, and the year after that, until he finally got injured. Tom Brady would never have seen the field. I liked Bledsoe as a player, and I think, I want to say, he still holds the NFL record for attempts in a game with 70. I want What's to say that. Sore arm after that. 
Well, when you say career backup, the only one that comes to mind that I can think is still in the league is Chase Daniel, and that's because he spent a good few years at the Saints. But he's known, you know, he's been on the Saints, he's been on the Chiefs. I think he's on the Chargers at the moment. So where um, was where was he drafted? This is the this the is the thing Washington, you should have had to look at. I, I believe he was dra- drafted by Washington in two thousand and nine. I believe, and then he was at the Saints two thousand nine, two thousand twelve. So I don't even think he ma- made the uh, the roster. He was an yes. undrafted free agent in two thousand and nine. Undrafted free agent. Um, so yeah, there, there's your there's your career backup. Yeah, that, that's what you got there. So uh, Trevor Simeon was would have been a career backup, except he outplayed um, the first round draft pick Paxton Lynch in the in the preseason and all through training camp because he was ultimately five times better than Paxton Lynch. But then mm-hmm. so is Dave. You know, uh, Paxton Lynch is one of the biggest busts in NFL history, biggest draft busts, maybe the worst quarterback ever taken in the first round. That's not much of a stretch to say that. Ooh. I, I, I would top you with just one other that springs to mind, and that would be Jamarcus now, Russell. I was, I was going to say to you, you can see Jamarcus Russell, mm. and you can see Ryan Leaf. But the fact is, that's he coming out of college, those guys had talent. And a lot of it. There was a reason Jamarcus Russell was drafted first overall by the Raiders. Number one, it was the Raiders. Um, and he was he was huge. He was six foot, God knows what. He was, uh, he was a monster. And the Raiders saw that and went, this guy. But he could play. We all know he could play. His problem was that he didn't look after himself. And of, yeah. as we all know, he famously never watched any of the the tapes that he was given on on the d- opponents so he had no <laughs> idea what he was doing but he was physically gifted ryan leaf it was it was very close who was going to get drafted first overall between ryan leaf and peyton manning in 98 people were a lot tending, of people had leaf uh, yeah. yeah people were tending towards leaf because they said he's got the, the the bigger upside peyton manning is more ready now he can start week one whether it's just the style of offense or the fact that the way he was playing in college, and of course his dad's Art Manning, and he's, you know, so the history's in the family, he knows what he's doing. But they said Ryan Leaf could be the greatest quarterback he's ever played the game, you know, coming out of college. That's what they, people thought that about Ryan Leaf. He was really highly doubted. And, you know, God love him, it didn't go his way. He wasn't prepared for it, mentally. I think he's admitted that himself. He just wasn't prepared mentally. He wasn't doing all the studying that he should have done. He wasn't looking after himself the way he should have done. Um, I think, in fact, sometimes he's on the Rich Eisen show and he actually fills in for Rich Eisen. And some of the stories that Ryan Leaf tells you about his, you know, his 1997, 98, 99, those years of his life, it's just incredible. But we often forget these guys are coming out of college at 21, 22 years old and are made multi-millionaires overnight. That's mm-hmm. got to change your... I mean, if I found out tomorrow that I was 20 million pounds richer, okay, I would lose my mind. Just completely... podcast is over. The podcast is over. <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I would lose my mind. I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Right? And I'm in my 40s. I can only imagine at, you know... 21 
what that would feel like. No wonder these guys go off the rails sometimes. Even the, even the ones who don't get drafted first overall. Do you know, the, the guys who get drafted in the second round, they're making good money. And when you see a lot of these players who come out of college and you, you see some of the backgrounds, you watch A Football Life uh, from NFL Films, you see some of the, the, the backgrounds these players came from. Mm. Not just broken homes, a lot of them did, but it's not just that. But in some cases, you're talking abject poverty. And then all of a sudden they're making millions of dollars. And there's no transition between that. The only reason they, they went through college is because they had a, a scholarship. It's it's just incredible. So I know where you're coming from, Dave, when you see Jamarcus Russell, but Paxton Lynch had absolutely no talent. None. Whatsoever. Well, why he well, got I, why he got drafted <laughs> in the first round is beyond me. I've got no idea why he was taken. One thing I would like to point out though, I obviously you've got a lot more uh, shall we say a first-hand viewpoint since it was to Denver yes. uh, that he was drafted. Now, uh, his um, passer rating uh, in the first two years, it was 79.2 after only, he only played three games in fairness, but he had an average passer rating of 79.2. So that that's it's obviously not great. Um, if you look, bear with me, uh, just talk about yourself. Guys. This is why NFL podcasts are three hours long. <laughs> is is there are they all looking up their stats? It's got to be. We've done what is this? This is episode six. And yeah, have mm-hmm. you noticed the show's getting longer and longer and longer? Yeah. And it's because we can't fit everything in now. Sometimes it's because I go off on tangents. And I get that. I'm sorry guys. But um last week we did the the FC one. See when I came off and we finished for two hours. And we still didn't cover everything. So I was like, well we we need to cut this down. I managed to chop it down to like an hour and a half or whatever it was. Yeah. I do I do have the stat now. So I'd just like to compare Paxton with the second pick in the draft of, of last year. I think it was second pick. So Zach Wilson, he threw for nine touchdowns. He, th- he threw 11 interceptions mm. and he had a passer rating of 69.7. I don't like passer rating as a stat. No, and that's over 13 games, not just three. Well, <sighs> y- yes, he did. Yeah. He, in year two, he did have a passer rating of 72. Uh, and he, even though he only played in two games. But I just... I think that these rookies are built up so much that oh, absolutely. so many of them are do- they're doomed to fail. Absolutely, they're doomed to fail. I mean, how on, how on earth can you expect a kid to come in to a franchise that is borderline awful? You know, just like from top to bottom and expect them to be able to succeed. There's a reason that Mac Jones was by far and away the most impressive rookie quarterback last year. And it wasn't even close. When you think of rookie quarterbacks and the ones that have done fantastic, they tend to not be, you know, the first overall. You think of, like, Ben Roethlisberger, you think of mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, you know, these people are the ones, you know, Dan Marino, the ones that kind of slip. Yeah. Patrick down. Mahomes. And all of us, yeah, all of a yeah, sudden Lamar. find themselves on a much better roster. And it's like, hold on, I've actually got a chance to succeed instead of ending up at the Jaguars or the Jets. Of course. I mean... You look at Trevor Lawrence, and he's he's he may have been in literally the worst situation any first round quarterback has ever been put in in their entire, you know, in the history of the NFL. That was, a and that's joke. just because of Urban Meyer. Yeah, I was a joke. He had no chance. 
I think if he'd gone to another team that was even slightly better run. Let's let's say, argument sakes, the Bears had traded with the Jaguars. Now, I'm not saying that the Bears would have gone 14-3 and and, and won the Super Bowl. But I think he would have looked so much better just because they're slightly better than Jacksonville. Jacksonville last year were absolute joke. We spoke about this last week. The Jaguars, um, Shad Khan needs to just hire someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah, by, by far and away, his best performance of the entire year was the last game, which, you know, is good news for Jags. You know, at least it gives you hope or, you know, a bit of momentum, something to build on. But I think, you know, like you say, it's a tough situation to be in. Yeah. He ended the season, you know, playing the best football. Mm-hmm. There is reason to hope that Trevor Lawrence can still kind of show you why he had all that hype. Do you think that if Trevor Lawrence ha- or the Jaguars, not Trevor Lawrence, the Jaguars have a poor season next year as well, what do you think happens to Trevor Lawrence? But I, I would pose the question to both of you because I'm really quite interested because I just don't know. I think everything goes up in the air if the Jaguars have another bad year. I don't think so because he's on his what? He'll go going into his second year. You mean you got five years, kind of to get it right with a young quarterback with the, how the contract works. Travis Etienne, who I spoke about last week, is coming back. This would basically be his rookie year, even though it's his second year. I mean, you're kind of numb to the feeling that you know the Jaguars are always kind of inside the top 10. The draft is one thing. It's more the free agency with the Jags. I, you know, they spend big, it feels like, every year. At some point, you, that's got to catch up to you. I would, I would sort of say about the Washington, well, they're now the, the Co- uh, commanders, the, the commies. We'll, we'll, we'll refer to them as the commies. <laughs> you um, the they'll love that in Washington, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, I, I would say that from their record in the past, well, to, to me anyway, from my own knowledge, 10 to 15 years minimum, the Washington commanders have been shocking in free agency and that has stopped them from having any success whatsoever on the pitch. They've been shocking and I, I can't see that changing. And Carson Wentz, some of these organizations, they put their faith in the wrong people time and time again. I think the Jaguars, Washington, the Texans are just signing players just for the sake of it at this point. So I know where you're coming from with, with Washington, Dave. Not so much that they're, you know, they're, they're signing the wrong player or they're, you know, they're letting the wrong player go. It does seem to be a fact that they're not sure how it works. I mean, yes. <laughs> It's so strange sometimes when you look at some of the the moves that they make and then they're surprised when it doesn't work out. You look at uh, Carson Wentz. My goodness, two third rounders for Carson Wentz. I was going to say, you said uh, top to bottom, those organisations, because you think when the Jaguars, the Jets, that when these teams hit on the draft or in the free agency, those players don't stick around. Free agents, they, they you know take as a payday and then they go to a better team. I mean, think of Jalen Ramsey or Jamal Adams, you know. Oh, my God, you know, these are fantastic players. They finally, you know, the Jaguars or the Jets, they finally hit one of these big players. And the players go, yeah, I'm fantastic. You lot aren't. I'm out of here. You know, I, I want to go win. What I happened? think the Dolphins were in danger of that as well. Up uh, mm-hmm. When, was it Minka uh, Fitzpatrick? Minka Fitzpatrick to the Steelers, yeah, yeah and, and Larry yeah. Tunsil. Exactly. This is what I'm saying. They were going in that direction, but they managed to turn it around. They made a few key signings that kind of bolstered them up and set them up for the next season. And I think they did kick on. Um, you know, it's it's uh, debatable whether Tua is 
kind of the future or not there but i think they obviously they've made one sort of big free site uh free well not free agency sign one big trade in tyreek you know these organizations are unless they change and they adapt they're going to be top of the draft every year i'll put i'll put a scenario to you guys the jaguars select the number one overall last year and get trevor lawrence they're going to be selecting number one overall again this year what happens if they're selecting number one overall next year how long can this keep going on the whole point of this draft is to create some sort of parity in the nfl but when a team is so bad do we think that was just urban meyer i think it's a contributor factor but it's be you know jaguars have been poor before and after and all, all the way in between i think the bengals are a great kind of example in terms of you know the bungles you know red rifle they're just gonna you know nothing but mediocre if not you know the same kind of field as the jets and the jacks and then all of a sudden you know you hit joe burrow you hit jamar chase you you build a good core around them and you know all of a sudden you go into a super bowl it really can turn around that quickly it just feels like there's always those two or three teams that kind of get left behind and sadly it seems to always be the jugs i think we can look at last year and say last year was predominantly urban meyer but that's only last year you know they've been bad for a long time it's it's difficult to quantify how any professional sports organization can be run so badly where it honestly looks like everybody on the outside can see what needs to be changed and the only ones who can't are the people who are actually running the show I, I wish teams would, when they when they do sign a great quarterback, would just invest in the offensive line. And I'm sure Andrew Luck would agree with me, and RG three, and you know, Joe Burrow in his, you know, in his first season. I, I think wish you can add just, Trevor Lawrence to that. Oh, absolutely. Well. Just if you know that you're going to be number one overall pick in the draft, and it's going to be a quarterback, why are you not spending all of free agency just building an offensive line? Because you can get a receiver in the fifth round of the draft and he'll be able to catch passes. I think they should have used Joe Burrow's first year as a template of what to do. Protect him, give him a couple weapons in the first year, build on that for the second year. Burrow's went down with a season-ending injury well, in year one. Yeah, the reason he went down with the season-ending injury is because he was getting the crap kicked out of him every single time he dropped back to pass. It was Almost brutal. a blessing in disguise, though, because it meant they could draft early again. And that's true. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he actually wasn't as disguise. badly hurt as we thought he was. Um, no, it's just you've if you've got a talent like that, you need to put the supporting cast around them. And unfortunately, when people say supporting cast, first thing they think of is wide receivers. Now, I'm not saying that wide receivers aren't good. Of course they are. My goodness, look look at what the the Bengals did drafting. Your man, whose name I've already forgotten. Jamar Chase. Thank you very Jamar much. Yeah. You know, Jamar Chase. Yeah, that, that's worked out great for them. But the biggest thing that's helped Joe Burrow was the improvement of the offensive line. Because it doesn't you matter. You could, you, could have, you could have given Joe Burrow Jamar Chase, you know, handed over Cooper Cup and just given him Tyree Kill and somebody else. You know, anyone else. It doesn't matter. If he can't get one and a half seconds to throw the ball, you could have four Hall of Fame wide receivers. Doesn't matter. Wide receiver is the most dependent position in the game. We all know this. And if your quarterback is lying on his back, 
then it doesn't matter who you've got a wide receiver. It's all about the offensive line. It really That'd is. Be exciting for the Bengals then, because this year they've really gone that extra step in terms of the offensive line as well. So it's got to be pretty exciting for Jamar Chase and Joel. Jamar Chase is difficult enough to guard at the best of times. If you give Joel Burrow five, six, seven seconds to get him the ball, he's going to be even more difficult. I think Joe Burrow and the Bengals are right in contention this year for not falling short as runner-up, but to get there. I think they're right if, there. Yeah, if you if you said three to five years ago, you know, oh, the Bengals, they're going to be in the Super Bowl and then they might even go back. Three to five years ago, you would have got laughed out of the place. Two years ago, you would have. Yeah, yeah. Two years. Before, before they year. got Joe Burrow, wouldn't have believed you. Not for a second. And uh, as you say, you'd get laughed out of the building <laughs> or whatever. Because what the Bengals have managed to do in a two-year span is just incredible. Within two years, you're now looking at the Bengals being one of the favourites in the FC to, to to go back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that division's always been the Steelers or the Ravens, and now all of a sudden the Bengals go, oh, who's going to get second, the Steelers or the Bengals? And with, with the Chiefs trading Tidy Kill to the Dolphins, do we think that affects the Dolphins more or the Chiefs more? I, I'm, I'm, I think it affects the Dolphins more. Because I think Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes. Although it'll hurt him a little with their tidy kill. He's still got Travis Kelsey. So instead of getting 12 targets a game, Kelsey will get 20. I think that's the only difference. As far as the Chiefs are concerned, what do we think of, the, of that trade? I think they're almost trying to play chess rather than checkers in terms of for so long, last couple of years, specifically in their division, everyone has been kind of signing you know, defensive backs, safeties to stop the likes of Tyreek Hill. And kind of move the Chiefs into this like one-dimensional, we know what you're going to try and do. We might not be able to stop it because they are that good, but we know what you're trying to do. Whereas, the, you know, the Chiefs kind of throw that out the window. I mean, they've signed uh, MVS, uh, former Packers wide receiver, for I think it was 30 million. He's not exactly the exact, you know, the same player as, as Tyreek Hill, but he's another option. I, I think the Chiefs will they'll be fine. They've got Andy Reid. They've got, like you say, they've got Travis Kelsey. They've got plenty of options. And most importantly, they've got Patrick Mahomes. I think it's much more impactful for the Dolphins who, with Jalen Waddle and some of the weapons they've got down there, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see, I think it's Devontae Parker is, is now mm-hmm. gone from, you know, possibly their wide receiver one to wide receiver four and, and possibly, you know, on the trade block. I've got nothing but respect for Andy Reid. I think he's an absolute genius. Do you think perhaps that he's seen what all the other teams in the AFC were doing, AFC West were doing, and then went, right, that's that plan out the window. Let's trade Teddy Kill. I think they're trying to get ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll run the ball yeah. <laughs> this year. I mean, they've signed, they've, they've <laughs> obviously spent the first round pick on um, Edward Talaire, and then they've just picked up uh, Ronald Jones, the former book. Yeah, that's um, it. Andy so Reid's going for power football now. That's it. 2022. You think, that, you know, they're trying to box them into, we know what the Chiefs are going to be, and Andy Reid's going to come back and say, no, this is what we're going to do now. And Are you going to stop this? Absolutely. And he's got the perfect quarterback to run power football. Because no matter if they've got three running backs in the old T formation, which we haven't seen since the 1940s, um, even if the, even they're running three running backs back there, teams will have to respect the pass. They can't just stack the box because you've got Patrick Mahomes. I want to give a little word of warning and make a little prediction. I think the Chiefs are going to sign either they will sign OBJ, Julio Jones, or they will trade 
for DJ Metcalf. I think I've one of those three things Metcalf. are going to happen. Yeah, I've seen Metcalf rumors. I Metcalf. Like that. I wouldn't like DK Met- Metcalf going to the Chiefs. I, I, I wouldn't like any of I these guys going to the Chiefs. As a Bronco. Yeah, as a Bronco fan, I bet you wouldn't. I'd hate that. I actually want, I wanted the Broncos to draft DK Metcalf. I wanted them to draft DK Metcalf. I was like, he's, he's going to be the guy. Um, and I was proved right. He was the guy. He's he's really, I, I would, I would, really good. I would go. A, I would go a step further uh, for you personally, Nielsen, because I would say that uh, for the last, I think we've been speaking about the draft uh, pretty closely for the past two years anyway. And every time that you've either uh, thought, yes, the Broncos need to strengthen a certain position, they've then drafted on the complete opposite side of the field kind of thing. Uh, they, they were right with Patrick Sertan. But what I would also say is that the Broncos, in the last couple of years, I've noticed they've been gambling a lot more with the draft. But I think with the Chiefs, or, or with the Chiefs being in their division, I think Andy Reid, like you said, he is a genius. There's no debate about it. I think he's one of the best coaches, if not the best coach. He's, he's right up there. He's, he's old school. Old school. But he gets it done, and he calls he calls plays you don't expect, and plays that he thinks are going to be successful. And in fairness, the majority of the time they are. Um, I I think I think the Chiefs are they they have lost Tyreek Hill. Obviously, Tyreek Hill's getting paid at the Dolphins. I think they're going to go for one more big weapon for, uh, for Patrick Mahomes when the, when their power football doesn't work uh, in the run game. I think they're going to have one more wide receiver that can go deep. Uh, I don't think they've been able to replace him. Uh, who, I forget his name. Who was it? Scantlin. That's the one. Yeah, I I think he's he's good. He's the only wide receiver that topped Tyreek's Hill, uh, Tyreek Hill's fastest time last year. So, but that was only one play. He did that. Uh, you know, fair play to him. That was fantastic. But he's not Tyreek Hill. I don't think he has the agility of Tyreek Hill. He's got the speed. Uh, I'm sure most of the time he has the same speed as him. He doesn't quite have the agility, but I, I, I see one more wide receiver coming. I think the Dolphins had to get a star man on offense, whether it be a star running back or whether it be a star wide receiver, which is what they've gone for. So I think this year is going to decide Tua's future. I think this is going to be the year that they decide whether he is their long-term option or not. If not, they've got Teddy B. <laughs> they've always got Teddy B. They've always got Teddy I, B. The, the, from a personal point of view, I don't like Tyreek Hill. I don't like him as a person, but I'm not going to say that he's not a very talented player. The problem that I have is I don't think he's going to be as effective in Miami as he was in Kansas City. I think his production's going to drop off significantly because I think an awful lot of his big plays, 70-yard touchdowns, were created by Patrick Mahomes and the things that he did. I so I sometimes think that we don't give Patrick Mahomes enough credit. Now, we all go, wow, he's the best quarterback in the league. But I don't think we're giving him enough credit because I think... You take it for granted. We totally mm-hmm. take it for granted. We spoke about this with Aaron Rodgers in that you look at, people looked at 
last year or the year before, obviously it was a down year for Rodgers. What are you it wasn't talking about? the last two years because he's, he's, he's MVP. Well, exactly, but you know, they're saying, oh, you know, it's a bit of a down year. No, it's not a down year. The guy's throwing 40 touchdowns and six picks or whatever it is. But because he does that every year, we become so used to it. So used to it. And just think, oh, well, that's, you know, that's what Aaron Rodgers does. So we get surprised if he doesn't throw for 40 touchdowns and, and six interceptions, which we should not be doing because that's a mind-blowing thing to do. I think it's the same with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is so good, and we see it week in and week out, that you become numb to how amazing he is and what he does for his team. People say, oh, Tyree Kill, wide open. He's always wide open. Yeah, there's a reason for that. It's because what his quarterback's doing. No one says Tyree Kill's the best route runner in, in the NFL. He may be the fastest. He's a very agile player, absolutely. But I think Patrick Mahomes really, really inflates Tyree Kill's numbers. And I'm pretty sure that Michael Hardman will have a huge year if they don't sign another wide receiver. I think with Devontae Adams obviously um, getting his trade and getting his contract, Tyree Kill's obviously looking to get paid. And the Chiefs thought, Rather than with the current market, you know, paying Tyreek Hill what he wants and what he deserves, they'll cash in. They got obviously great value in terms of the picks. They've they've sold high, and like you say, they'll they can replace him. Maybe not with you know one on one product productivity, but between Vada Scantling, between mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, McCall Hardman, they might you know trade for a wide receiver. Like Dave says, I wouldn't be surprised if they draft a wide receiver because they've got two. Mm-hmm first round picks now i think they've got the most or tied most picks in the entire draft with 12 so i think they might not replace tyreek hill with one person i think the productivity will get split between maybe two maybe even three guys but patrick mahomes i guarantee his numbers will be there still every word that you said Niels, about tyreek hill i 100 percent agree with you I would also make the argument that you can add in Devontae adams instead of tyreek hill into the majority of them i think rogers inflated his his numbers as well because there's no doubt about Rodgers and Mahomes two of the best in the league two of the best ever right I, I think Mahomes is going to be doing his thing for years and years to come I don't think that's going to ease up I think with Devontae Adams similar situation I think Devontae Adams is a more complete receiver than Terry Hill I don't think there's much doubt about that he's obviously not quite as fast but I think he's a more complete receiver the Dolphins and the Raiders both need to be careful uh, that these big money wide receivers are not going to... Ju- I know they've been paid, but before they went to their uh, new franchises respectively, I think that the quarterbacks that were at the previous ones did inflate their numbers and enable them massively to produce these numbers and to get their money, basically. I think you're underselling Derek Carr, Ooh. like a lot of people do. Oh yeah, he, he might not be Aaron Rodgers, but I think he's massively underrated. I think Devontae Adams wouldn't go to, you know, a quarterback he didn't trust. I think, I mean, look at some of the best wide receivers of all time. You know, Randy Moss had a, a fantastic career. Where did he have the best numbers that year with Tom Brady? I mean, mm-hmm. like I, I completely agree. The the wide receiver, very few circumstances do wide receivers play and put big numbers without a good quarterback. I think True. you can throw it back to Neosa, though, with Derek Carr. Uh, well, so with Derek with Carr? Well, well, with Carr, because you, you see him twice a year. So if you if you had to rate him 
uh, or even you know use a phrase or a sentence to describe him how how would you describe how do you think about him i would describe Derek Carr as reliable yeah, that's exactly see, what i was, I was the, going to say mr thing, reliable the consistent. thing is that Derek Carr whilst i do think Devontae adams's production will drop off i don't think it'll be anywhere near the drop off of Tyreek Hills because Derek Carr may be the most underrated quarterback in the entire NFL. Definitely a player. You're talking about this guy's thrown... See, the, the problem is the, the numbers. Because of people like Patrick Mahomes, the numbers for Derek Carr don't look that impressive. But he's thrown for f- over 4,000 yards each of the last four seasons. He's averaging about 20... To 23 touchdowns. In fact, no, it'd be more than that. The lowest he's ever thrown is 19 touchdowns in a season. And that was back when they had that awful 4-12 year in 2018. He's never thrown more than 14 picks in a year. He's, his rating through his career has been, what, what have we got here, 92.4 rating. Who's he been throwing to? I can only really think of Derek Waller. Derek, Derek Waller. Yeah, that's, that's. I mean, it really, I mean, it really has that. That's all it's been. Yeah, he, he had you know half a season of Henry Ruggs, and he's had players sort of coming and going, and one game wonders. He's had a bit of that. Derek has not had a lot of weapons in his career, and yet he's been one of the most consistent players, uh, consistent quarterbacks in the entire NFL since he came into the league. Not eye popping numbers but consistently good numbers every year. He's a very solid quarterback. And now that he's got Devontae Adams, I think we'll see his numbers really pop off. Because he had a good year last year. He did. He threw for 4,800 yards. He also added Demarcus Robinson as well, uh, a receiver who who had... He's he's been solid for the Chiefs uh, in the last few years. I think, you know... For all the big... Names that have been thrown around the AFC West, the big trades and signings, the Raiders might be the most improved team in the division. That pains me to say that. It really does. But they might have got more than... See, I I'd originally said the Chargers were the most improved. That's purely because of, almost entirely because of Khalil Mack, which I think was just amazing. Mm-hmm. An amazing signing. But the Raiders got Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams. That's two huge names, superstars. And they've also, as you say, they've improved as well, almost behind the scenes. They've really improved. Yeah, I think the Raiders are going to be very, very tough this year for anyone to play. Um, And unfortunately, we get to play them twice. Just like I think the biggest, the Chargers. Big, biggest question mark is just their coaching staff. Does it work? Does yeah. it not? What might go against Derek Carr this year is having Josh McDaniels. Yeah, that's that's a, a, a coin flip. I'm intri- I'm really intrigued by how he's going to do it. But he obviously sh- uh, crashed and burned a little bit uh, round one with a head coaching job. But I, I think going back to the Pats might have done him the world of good and might have kind of steadied the ship in his preparations to be a head coach. So... <laughs> It's yeah, either it's, it's either done that or it's had the opposite effect, and he just thinks yes. he just thinks he's even better this time yeah. around. Um, and he, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't like Josh McDaniels. <laughs> he he single handedly destroyed a franchise. Single handedly, 
just annihilated an entire franchise. So uh, I can't stand Josh McDaniels. Can't stand I'm, him. I'm surprised he got another job after, obviously, what he did with the Broncos and then uh, leaving the Colts at the altar. It's, uh, he was definitely playing with fire in terms of, if this doesn't work out, I, I don't see him getting another head coaching gig. He'll end up uh, back at the Patriots like they all do. He'll be back at the Patriots. Well, yeah, they are. Anyway, gentlemen, we, we, <laughs> Seattle. <laughs> we're going to take a quick glance at last year's first round, and then we're going to talk uh, about, for this year, we have our mock draft in place. We've got a mock draft in place from our college football insider, Ewan McPhail. He's our version of Mel Kuyper. Who in the hell is Mel Kuyper, in a way? Number one, Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence. I'm just going to get you guys to give him a grade. I'd give it like a, a B plus. I think we kind of already touched on obviously tough situation to walk into. I you know ended the season quite well. Definitely got more uh, weapons this year. I, I I'm positive about the future of Trevor B+. Lawrence and a B plus. B plus. That's that's pretty good. Dave, uh, Trevor Lawrence. What do you think of the pick? Absolutely. I, I, w- I was going to say probably uh, B. I think the only reason that he fell short of an A was because of the uh, personnel around him. I think it, the, or, well, we've already touched that the organization pretty much failed. Uh, well, maybe not failed him, but they didn't equip him uh, with what he needed to really have a successful rookie season. But uh, I I'd give it a B. And if he can kick on this year with the mighty Christian Kirk, uh, I, I think we can definitely say an A, but I think for last year, uh, overall, we'll call it a B, a B plus. New York Jets picked second overall, and they took quarterback Zach Wilson out of BYU. Uh, Jake, give us your uh, give us your grade for that selection of Zach Wilson to the Jets. Ah, that one's a lot harder in terms of he was kind of outperformed by other people. So that would be was. like a, a C, a C minus maybe. I think I'll I'll come in and give him a solid D. Uh, for Zach Wilson, I, I was not impressed at all. I, I think when the backup comes in and it, you know, arguably you could say it's performance of his lifetime in that one game, but I, I think Zach Wilson, you know, obviously he was touted as being right up the top there, has been one of, one of the first picks. I think he really underwhelmed me. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, the Jets, they, they didn't have a good year whatsoever. I, I think Zach Wilson, this is going to be a make-or-break year for him uh, to have a solid mm-hmm. future in the NFL as a starter. I, I don't think, and from what I've seen anyway, his decision-making and his accuracy is not starting NFL standard, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, San Francisco 49ers, they picked third overall. They took Trey Lance, quarterback out of North Dakota State. We didn't really get to see anything of Trey Lance, so a little bit early to be giving them any kind of grades for that. But if you had to give them a one-word grade, Jake, what would it be? B. I'm excited. I'm excited for Trey Lance. Yeah, I think, like you say, this year will be kind of the interesting year. It certainly seems to be the start of going into it. So, yeah, yeah. I'll give him a B. I'm give excited. Dave? As a Rams fan, I would like to say that if you pick a quarterback, the third pick overall in the draft, and you start Jimmy Garoppolo for the entire year, I'm going to give it an A+. Uh, I am very happy <laughs> you like that, that happened. Uh, but I also have been reading and researching online about Trey Lance and some of the murmurs from maybe behind the scenes in the 49ers that they, they aren't 100% convinced on Trey Lance being 
the guy that they were hoping he would be. So uh, from a Rams point of view, I'm A-plus all the way for last season to not play him. I I mean, you know, maybe he learned a lot from Jimmy Garoppolo. I I can't say I did, but uh, I think that they may have... Or they should have brought him in. When when the 49ers were struggling a bit early on, I, I think they could have given him a little bit of a chance, uh, or more of a chance, I should say. But um, I th- I think... Like I mean, said, he played, ra- he yeah, played he six played games, he five, intercep- uh, five TDs, two interceptions, rushed for another TD. I think this year will really be the, the telling point, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm quietly excited. Fourth pick overall, Atlanta Falcons, tight end. Kyle Pitts out of Florida. He was won the John Mackey Award in 2020. Jake, what's your grade for Kyle Pitts, number four? Begrudgingly an A, because yeah. obviously he's a Falcon, but I think he, he was fantastic. I mean, he's one of one of six that went to a Pro Bowl. I think he's... Uh, this year, I feel sorry for him because he's gone from having a, a good mm-hmm. offensive room to kind of he's the... The last one in the room looking around thinking, where's everyone gone? But uh, last year, and and his talent-wise, I think an A is, is fair. I think he was yeah. the, the star of the Falcons' offense last year. And I I think bringing in Mariota, I'll let others be the judge of that. Um, I, I think if, if, he, if they can get a, a big wide receiver weapon to maybe take some of the attention away from Kyle Pitts uh, in the receiving game, I, I think that would really help him more than hinder him uh, to take more attention away from him so that he's maybe more of a target. Um, but I think, yeah, definitely a guaranteed A for Cal Pitts. Cincinnati Bengals then picked at fifth and they took wide receiver Jamar Chase out of LSU. 2019 Blitnikoff Award winner, Jake Jamar Chase. A-plus, offensive rookie of the year. I mean, that's all I need to say. Offensive rookie of the year, you can't get much better than that. <laughs> well, A plus for the LSU Bengals, uh, I think would be the best thing I can say. I he, he was brilliant, and I think the speed that he adapted to the NFL as well. That he sh- showcased what he's capable of in the first year, and I think he's just going to get better. I think I think that's a scary thought for the entire AFC. Never mind just his di- uh, division. I think the entire conference should be scared of Joe Burrows and Jamar Chase for years to come. Absolutely, it was an inspired pick to take Jamar Chase. I think everybody thought they were going to go for an offensive. Uh, Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle there, but they went for Chase mm-hmm. and it worked out. It got them all the way to a Super Bowl. Number six, Miami Dolphins selected wide receiver Jalen Waddle out of Alabama and a trade with the Philadelphia Eagles. So what do we think of Jalen Waddle, Jake? Uh, I would say A minus, B plus. I think he's a really exciting player. Mm-hmm. I mean, seven touchdowns overall last season. I think he must be grinning ear to ear in terms of the what Miami have done this off season. I, I think he again will be looking to improve again this year. But yeah, I'd say it's a solid A minus, maybe B plus. Yeah, I, I try not to overthink it, but I would give him a B. Um, I, I think he, he had a lot of hype coming out of Alabama. Now I saw him a couple times during the college season, and he, you know he was very good, very competent. Uh, obviously, he's in the college. The college level, it's a lot lower than the NFL. Like he's got a little bit of work to do to really live up to the hype of a uh, number six pick for a wide receiver, but I, th- I think he can do it. I this year, he's you know he's obviously got um, Tyreek there as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him a B for last year, mm-hmm. but I think that could definitely improve um, with some better results this year. Picking on number seven was the Detroit Lions. They took uh, offensive tackle Penny Sewell. Uh, Jake, what do you think of the Sewell pick at number seven for Detroit? 
think if they could redo it, they might take the Rashawn Slater, who's the second tackle. But I mean, they got 16 games out of him, um, a very solid tackle. You know, I'd say it's a B or B minus. Um, yeah, very, very promising offensive tackle, and I think it it probably didn't help him that it was the Lions that came and picked him. So um, I feel for the guy, but you know he's still he's got a good rookie contract, mm-hmm. picked number seven overall. Um, maybe a few a few weapons um, and some like I said, pretty much uh, similar to Jalen Waddle. I think with a, a little bit of uh, consistency, maybe a couple wins uh, for the Lions um, would help him sort of advance and progress. Um, but yeah, we'll go. We'll go with a B for uh, Penny Sewell. Picking number eight was the Carolina Panthers, and they took cornerback J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. Jake, what do we think of that pick? Oh, he's the the son of uh, Joe Horn, the, the former Saints um, wide receiver. He only played three games due to injury, so it's hard to really grade him. It was a I shame. Mean, he did get an, yeah, he did get an interception in that game. I think he's promising, um, but because obviously he ruled out mainly from injury, it'd be like a C plus or B minus, but obviously, who knows really going forward. Uh, Dave, what do we think? A little worrying. Obviously, you know, he did he did uh, fracture his foot um, very early on in the season. I think that, that his comeback from that injury could be really telling. I hope he comes on. I think for, from the few times I did, I guess I might have seen him twice in the entirety of the season. Uh, you know, it was pretty promising. Seemed to have uh, good awareness as well, but obviously injury completely hampered his first year so um i'm afraid we have to go for a c minus on that one picking number nine was the denver broncos and they took cornerback patrick sartan second out of alabama jake ratings for ps2 i would like to defer my rating to one ian neosa mckinnon well in that case i will be happy to give my rating for ps2 and i'm giving them an a plus for this one when the broncos made this pick i was livid i was convinced the broncos are going to draft <laughs> Justin Fields, I was absolutely convinced. I thought there's no way they're going to let Justin Fields go. When he didn't get picked up and he was still there at number nine, I thought, this is it. We're finally going to get a quarterback. And we took a cornerback. And I was proved so wrong. Patrick Sertan II went from being a highly touted rookie, having a nice preseason, to being by far and away a best cornerback on in a pretty stacked secondary although um Bryce Callahan did suffer with some injury problems through the season Patrick Sertan was just lights out and I think he will probably end up being the best cornerback the Bronx have had since Champ Bailey if he carries on uh you know god willing he doesn't get uh, injured at all uh, absolutely a plus for PS2 Dave what do you reckon I mean, how can I even remotely argue against an A plus? Fifty eight tackles, uh, four interceptions, one pick six. The man burst onto the scene. There's no other way a cornerback can do that. But obviously, I think, like we've said in the past, with uh, the most well known sort of highly regarded cornerbacks, people just don't throw at them. I don't think that'll be quite the situation next year. If he has a a like for like season, I think that could happen. He will he will turn to Champ Bailey the second, but in the way that people just don't throw at him, and mm. rightly so. If you're going to have a someone of that caliber, you know, waiting to pick you off every single play, he is probably the surprise of the first round. I would say, I, I, and yes, I do thoroughly remember just how annoyed and just in disbelief you were when they when they drafted Sertan. But 
what a fantastic pick it was. Rounding off the top 10, the Philadelphia Eagles selected wide receiver Devontae Smith from Alabama. Uh, that was in a trade to the Dallas Cowboys. He was the 2020 Heisman Trophy winner. So, wide receiver Devontae Smith. Jake, what do you reckon? Uh, I think it's, it's a pretty decent one because obviously they traded uh, with Philadelphia and took him a bit later. I mean, just fell short of 1,000 yards, five touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I think it, it was solid. Nothing kind of to, to knock your socks off, but a, a solid B. Yeah, I I I'd go for a solid B, uh, maybe even B minus, because I think he was so highly touted. Uh, I I think there was a lot of expectations around him as well. Um, obviously you mentioned that he was the Heisman Trophy winner. It was twenty twenty that he was uh, the Heisman Trophy winner? Yeah, he, he was um, very very highly touted uh, coming into the draft. But I think give him a give him a B B minus uh, for last year, and uh, you know hopefully he can kick on uh, for the Eagles that are. And not the most, shall we say, not not well. It's a competitive division, but maybe not necessarily for the right reasons. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah we we can uh, safely say that he the opportunity for progress is definitely there. So that's uh, the top ten picks from last season. There was a few other notable picks through the through the first round of the draft. Uh, of course, the most impressive defensive player, Micah Parsons, for the Dallas Cowboys. He was taken twelfth overall, linebacker at Penn State. You had uh, offensive tackle Rashawn Slater that you mentioned, Jake. He was taken 13th overall uh, by the Chargers. And Mac Jones, by far and away the most impressive rookie quarterback, uh, purely because of the position that he was in, uh, in my opinion. 15th overall by the Patriots. And, of course, you then had Najee Harris, the Pittsburgh Steelers, a running back taken 24th overall, also out of Alabama. Some Some real hitters that people had the New Orleans Saints in case anyone was wondering drafted defensive end Peyton Turner 28th overall the Rams unfortunately did not have a first round pick Um, they had traded it to the Jacksonville Jaguars um, who selected Travis Etienne the 25th overall pick right behind Najee Harris Um, running back out of Clemson didn't play a single snap all year um, what do we think might happen with Etienne going forward, guys? I think he's very excited that Urban Meyer's not there because he had him lining up at wide receiver. Um, but obviously he was Clemson, same as Trevor Lawrence, so he's got that chemistry. I mean, we've not seen him at the NFL level, but I think Tra- um, Trevor Lawrence will be excited to have him back. I think Travis Etienne will be excited to kind of get on the field and, and show what he can do. I think it'll be... Uh, you know, I think training camp and preseason games will actually be, you know, important um, for him. Hopefully, yeah. more important than last year when obviously he got injured against the Saints in preseason. But it is the old cliche of, you know, it's basically a, another first round pick for them. What What would add to that as well is that I think with what they were able to show in their uh, final year in college, I I think the potential is there for the Jags. I, I just think they need to take it. They need they need maybe uh well some better coaching decisions for sure. But I think the one person that we did also miss in that list was the one that was well, through no fault of his own was Justin Fields at the eleventh pick. And you know I I think he's between him got Mac Jones obviously as well who was fantastic for the Patriots. I think yeah. yeah None of us will really want to say that, but they uh, he absolutely was. Um, and I think Justin Fields, 
I think he's he had it hard last year. There's there's no doubt about that. I don't think he's going to have it much easier this year. Um, I think the Bears are going to suffer for the last couple of years um, under Mr. Nagy. But um, yeah, I, th- I think uh, if we want to go for underwhelming performances of the first rounders, I think Justin Fields, and it's not his fault whatsoever, I'd like to stress. The Bears are who we thought they were. Hmm. Oh, you need to keep that same energy when you're talking about the MVP. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely, yes, you do. Yep, you do. Keep that same energy. Look, looking at um, players who were disappointing, I know what you mean. Like Justin Fields was disappointing, probably because of the the situation he was in uh, in Chicago. I don't know if anyone could do that. Someone who, who I was really disappointed in, probably also through no fault of his own, was Zaven Collins. Aha! I'm glad you said this because I had this as well. What was your opinion on Zayvon Collins? I mean, ju- just to give, for those who don't know, uh, he was drafted 16th overall by the Arizona Cardinals, linebacker out of Tulsa. He was the 2020 uh, Bronco Nagurski Trophy winner and the Chuck Bednarik Award winner. So he was the best defender and best linebacker award in 2020. He won it all. I'm pretty sure it's the Lombardi Award winner for he, 2021, which is like the yes. best human, basically. So he, he basically won everything. Uh, he was, yeah, so he was... The the best human on the planet, <laughs> and Jake, take it. Zayvon Collins. Yes, I'm I'm glad you brought up because I, I I took a few notes of him in terms of, and I I put it on a possible bust, which is obviously very harsh after one year. Oh, of course. Um, yes. But you think Bronco Nagurski winner 2019? Chase Young, you know players that I won that previously. You know Patrick Peterson, Tyron Matthew, Aaron Donald, surefire kind of you know all pros, possible Hall of Famers. But he had six starts. 25 tackles, three passes defended, and basically got relegated to a backup role. It was really one of those where it seemed to be like a perfect fit for the Cardinals, that inside linebacker, a position in need. I mean, like you say, look at the his college stats and the college awards. I mean, it seemed to be kind of a guaranteed home run, and it just really hasn't panned out. Um, obviously, there's plenty of time to turn it around, and judging from... You know some of his card records. You know I hope he does, but it, it was really underwhelming. Like I said, I completely agree with you on that. Very much so. Dave, was there anyone, any other pick that sort of stood out for you, either that you were impressed or or possibly disappointed with from the from the first round of of the draft last year? Najee Harris, I think I was a little underwhelmed with, but I I was very underwhelmed with the Steelers last year. Uh, you know, obviously they had they had their moments last year. Uh, you can only play who's put in front of you. I think Nad- Najee Harris, and I, I watched Alabama and I thought he was a fantastic running back. I, I thought he was going to light up the NFL. Uh, was not surprised. Well, I was surprised that he actually dropped as low as he did to 24, but I think team needs obviously outweighed you know, the, the others. I, I think he was first running back, I think, picked uh, yeah. last year. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think you're 100% right both of you about Collins. Now, he he didn't even last the the half the season before he was dropped from the Cardinals. I don't know why he what he didn't put in like any kind of star performances or anything along those lines. I think the cards were ravaged by injuries in other areas that you know plays in situations that wouldn't have been highlighted as much because of these injuries in other areas 
uh, put the spotlight on him a bit. And when he wasn't quite performing to what they expected, I think that's what uh, basically led to him being dropped. Mm. I don't know what the future holds for him. I do worry. And like you said, the amount of awards that he got, All-American, he won Lombardi Trophy. His numbers, his numbers in college were fantastic. And yet, uh, halfway through year one, I'm, uh, I worry that he is going to be the kind of next the next bust, like you guys were saying. So this is uh, it'll be a telling a telling preseason as well for him. Uh, see how he gets on. But yeah, a very underwhelming season for Collins. Glad so, we agree on that. But Najee Harris was one of six people selected to a Pro Bowl. I mean, he got 1,200 rushing, seven touchdowns. I mean, 467 receiving yards, three more touchdowns. Underwhelming. It's a bit harsh uh, from Plonagy. Okay, I, I would take that. I, I would change that word for underwhelming. I would change it to under the radar, hmm. um, because I don't think he got the spotlight that you know someone coming out of the rookie year really deserved. Uh, he, I, I I think he's got a fantastic. Um, he's he's got a fantastic future. I don't think there's much doubt about that. I think. Um, He's going to have to step up next year if what I fear for the Steelers uh, could happen yeah, I'm, I'm with, not... with magic. But I'm, like I said before, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what Dwayne Haskins can do next year. I'm not sold on Najee Harris at all. He had a lot of car- a lot of touches last year and didn't do a huge amount with it. He did make, think, he did make he... the Pro Bowl, but he made the Pro Bowl sort of by default. On a technicality. On a technicality. Yeah. Do you think he justified his uh, first uh, the, as a, the first running back picked in the draft? Do you, do you think? Well, uh, at, at the after, risk after year one, at the risk of sounding ridiculously biased, and I know I'm going to sound ridiculously biased. <laughs> I wonder where this is going. I think Javante Williams was so much more impressive <laughs> than Najee Harris in the second round. Now we didn't get to see Travis Etienne. We'll need to wait and see how he gets on, how he turns out. But um, I think Javonte Williams was more impressive. I'm not saying he's better than Najee Harris, but I think he was more impressive. Certainly to watch, he was more impressive. Before we move on, uh, because we keep running so far so far into these things and not actually getting anywhere, there is something I wanted to talk about. We, we were talking about the awards that Stephen Collins won. He won the Bronco Nagurski Trophy and the Chuck Bednarik Award and the Lombardi Award. But the guy taken before him, I didn't know this. I was just checking. Mac Jones, taken 15th, won the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award. I'd never heard of this. And I'm, I'm re- I was reading through the, the people who'd previously won this. So in 2021, it was won by Kenny Pickett. Mac Jones last year. It was Joe Burrow the year before. In 2018, it was Gardner Minshew. And in 2017, it was Mason Rudolph. We then had Deshaun Watson in 2016, and then Connor Cook in 2015. Looking at Connor some, of, looking at some of these names, because you look at some of the names and you're like, oh, I can totally see why they would win that award. Andrew Luck in 2011, uh, Matt Ryan in 2007, Peyton Manning won it in in 1997. But then you look at some of the other names. Uh, David Carr, David Carr won it in 2001. Carson Palmer, Eli Manning, Matt Leinart. Scott Tolzien won it in 2010. College is funny because, you know, the, the Bronco Nagurski, I was talking about, you know, Chase Young, Aaron Donald, but in between there was, you know, Manti Teo, Scooby Wright. I mean, there is always it's these just, people. There's always these, Where these, are these people now? I know, like, how did someone 
be so big out of college and then just like disappear it's just it's crazy but um we are gonna have to move on uh with regards to that so that that's a we look at last year's draft before we have a look at this year's draft it's time for random stats random stats so dave why don't you kick us off this week what is your random stat Fantastic, we'll take it up. <laughs> I was not expecting oh, that you go for random stats right now. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what. I started last week. Um, I'll go first again this week. Uh, okay. Random stats. Now, I... Right, you go. Last week, I was going to do a random stat about Warren Moon, the quarterback. And I ended up not doing it because I found something that was ridiculous. The same thing happened this week. I was going to do Warren Moon. And one of these days, I will bring Warren Moon in for a random stat because his career is just insane. But I was reminded of something the other day when I was on Twitter and someone had uh, posted who is the most untalked about or, or, you know, who's the player that is known in your team but not really known anywhere else in the NFL that you really love, that you really like. Um, so I had actually answered that with a player I'm going to talk about today. And his name is Simon Fletcher. Now, Simon Fletcher was a linebacker slash defensive end for the Denver Broncos. He, let's have a wee look here and see where he came. He came into the league in 1985 um, and he played until 1995. So he played 10 years in the league, 11, but he, he didn't play his first year. In fact, his first two years, he only played in three games. Uh, only started three games, I beg your pardon. But the great thing about Simon Fletcher is that between 1989 and 1993, the five-year stretch there, he had sacks of 12, 11, 13 and a half, 16, and 13 and a half. Now, in 1992, when he had 16 sacks, he actually set an NFL record um, of having 10 consecutive games with a sack, a record that was tied by DeMarcus Ware. The two of them still hold that record, 10 consecutive games with a sack. Now, in in that year, as I say, 1992, 16 sacks, he also had 99 tackles. Simon Fletcher was not voted to the Pro Bowl in that year. And the most random stat of all is that, despite the fact that... Simon Fletcher had double-digit sacks, 1989, 90, 91, 92, and 93. Um, set an NFL record. He was never voted to a Pro Bowl in his entire career. In fact, he never had a single vote, Pro Bowl vote, in his entire career. To me, that if he had been playing for the Dallas Cowboys, he'd have been making a Pro Bowl um, all, all five years in a row for that possibly even 1988, when he had nine sacks and an interception. It just grinds my gears a little bit that teams with what we call a smaller market outside of, uh, you know, New York, Los Angeles, Dallas, are often overlooked in things like Pro Bowl votings. And I think the fact that someone sets an NFL record for sacks in a season and doesn't get voted to the Pro Bowl with 16 sacks is just the worst kind of underselling someone that I've ever come across. I think it's absolutely disgusting. And that is my random stat. 16 sacks in one year, including 10 sacks in a row and not a single Pro Bowl vote for Simon Fletcher. 
Yeah, that's very interesting. I think you're very right in terms of the markets uh, and you know the size of the markets, and different teams definitely get it favoured. Uh, thankfully, now with social media, hopefully something like that these days would not go under the radar. There would be a petition to get Simon Fletcher's Pro Bowl. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think it's just it, the, the mind boggles, absolutely boggles. Uh, and considering that, I mean, he was fourth in the he was fourth in the NFL in sacks that year and second in the AFC. Uh, lead, leader was Clyde Simmons, nineteen sacks. Leslie O'Neill from the Chargers at seventeen. Tim Harris from the uh, 49ers at 17. Then there was Simon Fletcher. The next closest in the AFC was Neil Smith with 14 and a half, who made the Pro Bowl. <laughs> As did Derek Thomas. Name value helps. It absolutely does. Cortez Kennedy, 14 sacks. Name value does, because you look at some of the people who made the Pro Bowl that year. You had Clyde Simmons, Leslie O'Neill, Neil Smith, Derek Thomas, Brian Cox was with Miami at the time. You had Bruce Smith, Buffalo. Going over to the NFC, you had guys like Reggie White and Ricky Jackson, Ray Childress in, in Houston. None of these guys had the numbers that Simon Fletcher did, um, and he didn't make the Pro Bowl. He also had the second most tackles of anyone in that list. So there's my random stat. Simon Fletcher should have been voted into the Pro Bowl, but never was in his entire career, unfortunately, after over 10 years. So, uh, Jake, what is your random stat? Okay, well, I'm going back, not quite as far as yourself. Um, I've decided to make mine draft-related. Mm -hmm. And if I said the 2001 draft, most people will probably think I'm going to talk about Tom Brady. I am not. I'm actually going to talk about an entire team, the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. Okay. Uh, that one team had 38 players drafted. Now, of those 38 players, 17 were first round. And that's not including players like Clinton Portis and Frank Gore. Um, on their defense, they had 10 out of the 11 starters, 4 out of the 11 second string, and all 7 reserves drafted. Uh, and the one uh, starter that wasn't drafted was a, a tragic story in terms of Chris Campbell, who passed away before the draft. Oh. So I'm 100% I'm certain it would have been 11 out of 11. At, for the 2001 Miami Hurricanes, there is a 78% chance your team had one of those first rounders on their team at some point. Because 25 out of the 32 teams did. Obviously, Clinton Portis. I mean, for the Saints, we had Jonathan Vilma. <laughs> Just some of the stats. On, I, you know, there's a, a 30 for 30 on the, the Miami, you know, the U. But that 2001 team was just something special. You know, Ed Reed. Even special teams, their punter was all-conference. Their kicker and returner were first-team All-Americans. Just nailing home that, uh, you know, is three parts of the game. But uh, the, the best stats I saw were, were kind of on the defense in terms of they averaged 4.1 turnovers per game. They they allowed 13 touchdowns, but in return scored eight. The, the team overall outscored their opponents 512 to 117. They were just they, they weren't beaten teams. They were embarrassing teams. I think even in the the college, um, you know, the the Rose Bowl, I think it was the, the championship. They were 34 nothing up at halftime. Wow. They, they, they were just embarrassing teams. And, and just look at the, those rosters. I mean, some of the players that came out of the U at that time, it's just an embarrassment of riches. All these players that you mentioned, that they were all on the same team. At the at, same time as at well. The, at the same time. Just absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a very good argument to say the 2001 Miami Hurricanes were the best college team of all time. I mean, there's a very good argument for that. I think you might be right. <laughs> so is that sorry? That was players who were drafted in two thousand and two or in two thousand one. 
Uh, so the 2001 Miami hurricane. So that some of them were taken in 2002, some were taken in 2003, and some were taken in oh, 2004. Right. But 38 players of the 2001 Miami Hurricanes were drafted, and 17 were first rounders. Wow, that's just uh, at that time, uh, you know, 2002, 2004. Chances are your team drafted a Miami Hurricane. Uh, Dave, do you have a random stat for us this week? I'd like to go back to 2003. And instead of highlighting, <laughs> instead of highlighting uh, a fantastic achievement or anything like that, I want to uh, go along the uh, since we're coming up to the end of uh, one of the most frantic free agency periods uh, any of us can remember or can even compare it to. I want to highlight a free agent uh, that was signed uh, that nearly, in my very humble opinion, nearly cost a big chunk of our legacy, of a career, um, of the, the legacy that this career left behind. Now, I, I just want to highlight some of this player's um, achievements first. So, mm-hmm. one NFL MVP, three Super Bowl wins, four seasons with the leading rushing yards, three years with the most rushing touchdowns, and he was at the same uh, franchise for 13 seasons. Now, in 2003, Emmett Smith left the Dallas Cowboys. He was no longer a cowboy. And he signed from free agency to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, my stat is from the from his first year at the Cardinals. He, he played in 10 games. Mm-hmm. He had 90 rush attempts for 256 yards, averaging 2.8 yards per carry. Uh, with, with the longest rush being 22 yards. Ah. Now, and he he did have uh, two touchdowns, obviously not the most impressive. But the other stat that I want to bring is that he signed an $8 million guarantee that year with the Cardinals. And that worked out at $31,000 per yard. <laughs> and to, to me... That almost ruined his legacy, and and it almost changed from what he achieved on the field to very, very close to being just in it for the money at that point. And I think that almost ruined uh, what was a fantastic legacy at the Cowboys. Obviously, at the end of his second season with the Cardinals, he signed on a one-day contract with the Cowboys so he could retire with them. One-day, one-dollar contract. And he retired very successfully, obviously, as a Cowboy. But... I was very, very surprised when I was reading that those stats. I could not, but thirty-one thousand dollars a yard is just unthink, almost unthinkable. I could not believe that. Obviously, he only played in ten games that season. He did have a bit of an injury issue at some point during the season, but ninety attempts for two hundred and fifty-six yards for a player of the quality that Emmett Smith had shown for a decade prior to that was just almost mind-boggling for me. You have reminded me of um, somebody else with that ridiculous stat about Emmett Smith. Considering, you know, the, the greatest runner in Dallas Cowboys history, the leading mm-hmm. rusher of all time in the NFL, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. But you have reminded me of another player, a great player who had, in his final season, I'll bet you, cost more dollars per yard than even Emmett Smith did. Because in 2016, for the Buffalo Bills, the mighty Reggie Bush 
finished his oh. final season with 12 attempts for minus three yards. <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he didn't start oh. on any games, obviously. He had 12 attempts for minus three yards. That's an average of minus 0.3 yards per rush. And the, the hilarious thing is, his longest was five yards and he scored a touchdown. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a 2016 Reggie Bush. It's such a shame. That. But uh, there hey, we go. Tell me, tell me he got a touchdown in every 12 attempts. Bargain. Absolutely. Bargain. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was that was Reggie Bush's 2016. That was his final year. What a way to go. Um, uh, so can that I also was, point out? Can yeah. I also point out he played in thirteen games that year for the Bills? He didn't even get one attempt per game. He, he was <laughs> he was just there for just there for the giggles. Really, I, want, I wonder point. how much he got paid because even if he got paid a hundred dollars for minus three yards, that's a ridiculous amount of money per yard. Yeah, there we go. So that's the end of random stats. Um, now we are going to look at the upcoming draft. Um, as I say, uh, provided uh, mock draft provided uh, by Mr. Ewan McPhail. Who in the hell is Mel Kuyper, in a way? Could use that twice in this episode. Now, we're not going to discuss the entire draft purely because of time constraints. So, we are just going to concentrate on the first 10 this episode. We will do the entire uh, draft uh, next week. So, we're really just going to look at the, the top 10 that have been uh, thrown in here by Mr. Ewan McPhail. And we're going to start with the Jacksonville Jaguars drafting overall and uh, we have them taking Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan the first overall draft what do we think of that yeah from the, the mock drafts I've seen that seems to be the kind of mm -hmm. overall consensus that he's he's going there I mean obviously from Michigan's a, a great school with a harbour at the the helm as well absolutely put him opposite Josh Allen I think you know Jack you know Jaguars will be quite happy with that um, in second place, the Detroit Lions are picking second, and uh, Ewan's got them selecting Trayvon Walker from Georgia, a rusher from Georgia. Dave, what do we think of Trayvon Walker? Think that'll be a good fit for the Detroit Lions? I, I mean, I don't think it'll make them worse. <laughs> I think it's one of the nicest things I can probably say, but I, I think... Um, Trayvon Walker, he can, he can go anywhere on the defensive line. Uh, I've seen a couple of highlights of him. He's from Georgia. Um, I, th I think the Lions could do with some uh, pressure um, on those kind of you know second and third. But when, when they do force teams to get to second and third down, uh, I think they could do with some more pressure there. So I think that it's a solid pick. I think between him and Aiden Hutchinson, they're probably... Some people have even got uh, Trayvon Walker as going first overall. I do think it will be Aiden Hutchinson um, going to the Jags first. And Trayvon Walker, I, I don't think they can really go wrong with this pick. I think he will be um, a very positive uh, number two in the first so, round. Solid player there, number two for the Lions. Uh, number three, the Houston Texans are selecting, and we've got them taking Kayvon Thibodeau, the, um, I think I pronounced that correctly, Thibodeau, uh, edge out of Oregon. Jake? Yeah, I've, a lot of the mock drafts I've seen, it's kind of a coin flip between the Lions and the Texans in terms of where uh, Walker and Thibodeau, uh, Thibodeau go. Um, so obviously Ewan's got it, the Lions taking Walker and uh, and uh, Kayvon fall into the Texans. Yeah. Say it seems to be edge early and often in, in the most drafts, uh, and Ewan's obviously following suit in that. 
three three in a row first three picks he then has the new york jets taking evan neal tackle out of alabama at number four uh dave what do you think of evan neal oh, the, the jets could certainly use the help up front i think if the jets are going to really push on with last uh, last year's pick and building on that um yeah i think he needs some protection quite badly um so, you know, some of the mock drafts I've seen them, they may be taking Sauce Gardner. I, th- I think he's he's actually shown in uh, the preseason workouts that uh, the scouts have been attending for him as well. Um, but yeah, Evan Neal is, I feel anyway, is going to be the highest picked uh, offensive tackle this year. I think that there there was uh, other rumors. Um, is it Equano from uh, North Carolina State as well? Yeah. Uh, okay. is qu- yeah, he, he's he's quite uh, quite highly touted as well. We've actually um, got him. We've got him going fifth to the Giants right after we got tackle Ikem yeah, from North I Carolina. Think, yeah, yeah. I think Evan Neal, uh, if he doesn't go to the Jets, will go to the Giants. He's going to end up in New York. Uh, which New York it will be? I think depends entirely on the Jets' fourth pick. And uh, that's, that's bold from you. And uh, obviously, the Jets uh, draft fourth and tenth. I've not seen a mock draft that hasn't given them sauce card and i saw I'm, I'm proud of you and being different ah well that's why you know he's the expert um we're just here for comic relief i think all three of us are uh, pretty much gonna admit that <laughs> number six carolina panthers we've got the first quarterback coming off the board malik willis out of liberty uh, to the carolina panthers at number six jake do you think the panthers will go for a go for a I, quarterback i am loving this mock draft now obviously six I'm seeing on Bucky Brooks, he's got Iki Akonu, and I think it's the same. Oh, actually, uh, Evan Neal for Daniel Jeremiah. I mean, Bucky Brooks in his most recent mock draft doesn't have a quarterback going in the entire first round. I am I'm loving this from Ewan. I think the Panthers definitely have a big question at quarterback. You know, Sam Donald. I think Matt Rule is definitely going to be looking at other options. So I, I think that would be a very interesting move. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, at number seven, the Giants are picking again. This time, Ewan has them taking Jermaine Johnson the second edge rusher from Florida State. So we've got him taking a tackle at fifth and edge rusher at seventh. Uh, Dave, what do you make of that? It's going offense then defense for the for the Giants. They can afford to switch it around, having two picks so close together. Uh, absolutely. I I think they could even if if they want to or if they don't want to. Uh, carry on with Daniel Jones in the future. I think they could even um, maybe use some. Uh, they could trade one of one of their picks, either five or seven, uh, to someone for a potentially a first round pick next year. Uh, but I think I, I think that's a pretty solid choice. I think most of the kind of mocks I've seen has Jermaine Johnson going. I think that's more because the um, pick ones to three are all. Uh, well, in in our mock draft as well, are mm-hmm. all edge rushers. Yeah. I think um, that's pretty solid, and I think the Giants pretty much need some sort of new edge threat. And then uh, number eight, we've got the Atlanta Falcons picking. Uh, Ewan has them taking Kyle Hamilton, safety out of Notre Dame. Jake, what do you think of that? Kyle Hamilton, boost, boosting that uh, secondary for the Falcons. I would, again, I'm, I'm surprised, but I, I'd be surprised if it's anything other than a wide receiver just because of the glaring holds they have mm. i mean and this again similar to the giants at seven i think the falcons ain't could be a team possibly looking to trade back because they have that many holes uh but taking a safety i mean they might just go 
you know, best player available and take that uh, like Ewan says. That could be the case. As you say, they may trade back. There's certainly plenty of wide receivers there. They, they might be thinking we can certainly get one, either uh, trade back late first round or um, early second round pick for that. Absolutely. At number nine, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Ewan has them taking tackle. Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. I think the Seahawks definitely need to boost, uh, bolster that offensive line. So uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Dave, what do you reckon of that? Charles Cross. Oh, I think they well they they quite clearly obviously do. I I don't know if they will though. Um, I, I was thinking you know Bobby Va- Bobby Wagner's gone. Um, I, I I wouldn't be overly surprised if they draft a, a linebacker or even you know just putting it out there. There's one or two quarterbacks that could be touted for the Seahawks. I don't think they see Drew Locke as their long term option. Um, they're, they're I I just don't see. Jimmy G going there. Um, I, I don't see... I, well, I I think Baker's a possibility if they were going to trade for a quarterback, but I I, I, I don't necessarily agree with it. I, I don't hate it. I, I think it would be quite, it would be okay uh, for the Seahawks. But um, yeah, that's... I think the jury's out on that one. I agree with you on this one because what's the best way to find out if you do have a quarterback? Is give him a chance. Um, Cross would be a, a starter on that on that line at left tackle. I mean, if you're gonna give Drew Lock a chance, you know, at least make sure he's protected. Or you know, mm-hmm. if you're gonna trade for Baker or something, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, getting a tackle in, I, I don't, I don't dislike that at all. I think it, it's the most. Arguably the second most important position on the offense is, is, mm-hmm. your, is your tackles there. Uh, rounding as, we know, as, as, as we know, the Seahawks don't always do what the right thing is. Uh, no, this is yeah. true. Um, rounding at the top 10, we have uh, one Ahmad Gardner, cornerback from Cincinnati, going to the, the um, going to the New York Jets. That's the switch from Seattle. Uh, so Gardner, a cornerback, going to the Jets at 10. Jake, what do you think? That makes a lot more sense, obviously, with... Um, then taking a cornerback because mm-hmm. most people have um, Sauce going at number four. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know with four and ten, they'll definitely take a DB um, within those within those two picks. So I, I don't dislike that at all. And then we're um, looking at some of the other picks we've got going on here. At number eleven, uh, the Washington Commanders. They've got Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from Ohio State. Um, and then the Vikings at number 12, Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback from LSU, and then another wide receiver at 13, this time to the Texans, Drake London from USC. So there's a couple of wide receivers starting to creep in just outside of that top 10. Uh, and looking down the list here, um, we, we will go through the list in full next week. Um, next quarterback will be pick 20, Sam Howell, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, two quarterbacks going in the first round in the, in the mock draft that we've got here from you. And what do we think of these? Do you think it's going to be, do you think we'll see two quarterbacks going in the first round? Some people, as you said, don't have any quarterbacks going at all in the first round. I think we'll see at least one, uh, but I shall defer my knowledge to that of Ewan, who has, uh, as I say, Malik Willis at, at six, very high top 10, and then Sam Howell going at number 20. Is there any other players that you guys can see doing um you know maybe being a surprise high pick or maybe being a surprise dropping out of the first round anyone that you can think of i mean kenny pickett obviously another call but i I agree with yourself even though some people you know we've we've talked about the the draft class being pretty weak at the quarterback i just don't think you'll see a modern draft 
in the first round where somebody doesn't take a quarterback in the first round. Um, I think off Ewan's mock draft there, I think the Commanders would be absolutely delighted um, if Garrett Wilson drops to them. Mm. Uh, and I certainly do think around that middle of the draft, we will see a run of wide receivers. Well, definitely. So we've got a uh, receivers going at 11 to the Commanders, Garrett Wilson. Drake London at 13 going to the Texans. Uh, Jameson Williams from Alabama going to the Saints. Oh, I like that. Well, the Let's, next the next pick for the Eagles, we've got uh, Tyler Lindebaum, the center from Iowa, so that could be a swap. We don't know what's going to happen with that. That could be a swap with the Saints. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're record on centers, yeah. yeah. Does Ewan have any trades in his mock draft, or is he just going it straight flat out? Just because the, the main thing I'm thinking of is the Eagles have 15, 16, and 19, and I'll be amazed if they don't trade one of them yeah, to get another no first way. round going back. Yeah, There's no but, trades in this in this one. Yeah, it's most mock It's like, basically uh, best best available. Player. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Another wide receiver, Traylon Burks, uh, going to the Packers out of Arkansas, twenty-two. Um, another wide receiver, Christian Watson from North Dakota, going to the Titans at twenty-six. And then wide receiver Chris Olave, Olave, I'm not sure. Uh, wide receiver from Ohio State, going to the Buccaneers at twenty-seven. And then of course wide receiver Sky Moore, Sky with two Y's from Western Michigan, going to the Chiefs at twenty. Yeah, I've seen seen quite a few top that. I mean, DJ has seven wide receivers in the first round, six for Bucky. I think, like you say, we'll see a run of them after that first kind of five six picks. I think there'll be a run of wide receivers. Well, I think it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. As I say, we'll go uh, more in-depth next week uh, on the first round of the draft. Uh, hopefully, there'll be a couple more uh, moves in free agency that we'll know a better idea of what teams are going to be looking for. We are running out of time, unfortunately, gentlemen. You know, I hate, hate to be the one to say goodbye, but it is something that we have to do. Next week, as I say really looking forward to the draft and also we'll hopefully have a little bit more news on the international series which will be getting announced is it next week i'm not sure in terms of any more information is it april i haven't heard i can't remember what did we say i can't remember so uh, our first we did we did did talk about the dates, but i can't remember any of them Glad we've had the, the Ewan McPhail mock draft 1.0. I mean, I'm sure there'll be tweaks and changes. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. A, a lot of mock drafts don't have trades in, but if, I wonder if we could get Ewan to tell us how many trades he actually reckons there will be in that first round, because there's mm-hmm. normally, normally a few. Definitely some uh, surprises in there. Usually there are, but uh, they, they're all, trades are always fun. As soon as the commissioner comes up and says, there's been a trade, everyone's saying, oh, what's happened now? Hopefully, some trades happen on draft day. We're all looking forward to it, obviously. Not too far on it, we now, gentlemen. Less than a month to the draft. So, we're really looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be good. Next week uh, should be a very interesting show, and we'll have a, a, a final full mock draft of all thanks to Team Selection in the first round. And we'll also be checking out some of the second round picks as well. Thank you very much for your time, gentlemen. I uh, really appreciate it. Jake, Dave. Thank you as always. Not at all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Winnerfell Show.